Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey, Daryl. Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast. Glad to have you on our show today. How's it going? Tony, it's going well. I'm sitting here talking to you. How much better can life be than this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate that compliment. I'm going to take it and not ask any questions because I don't get enough compliments <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> you are a smart uh, man. <laughs> so, um, so, hey, guys, we have the pleasure of talking with Daryl Prell from VanillaSoft today. And um, if you don't know, VanillaSoft is a powerful cloud-based sales management software designed for outbound call centers and inside sales teams. Uh, it's got a few awards coming up here. Heard it's uh, going to the top of the ranks, uh, highest sales product and highest rated satisfaction product for 2021, according to G2. Um, and, you know, let me ask you a question, Daryl. What's the why, how, what Golden Circle, Simon Sinek Golden Circle uh, behind Vanilla Soft and what you guys are doing over there? Why, sure. why, 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 why is it necessary? How do you all change things? And, 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 and what exactly uh, can we expect from Vanillasoft? So we're in a space called sales engagement, and it's different from sales enablement. Everybody kind of confuses the two. So, you know, sales enablement is kind of coaching and content for the sales rep. You enable them to sell. Sales engagement is like, okay, I've got great content, but now I actually have to engage with my prospects. So that's, that's the category we play in. Uh, we would compete with companies like a sales loft or an outreach if you want to have context. Uh, unlike those vendors, we don't sell in high tech. We don't sell at enterprise. We sell to SMBs and we sell in real world industries like, you know, finance, insurance, healthcare, uh, higher education, manufacturing, those kind of spaces. So very different markets. Statistically, the latest stats are anywhere between it takes nine and 12 attempts before we finally go, fine, I give up. I will take your freaking meeting. So right. that's the stats. Okay. So what do we do? It's really simple. What we do is we put a tool in front of the reps that they live in, as opposed to living in the CRM, the sales reps live in us. And we have a series of playbooks and the playbook simply said, yo, 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 Mr. P you know, rep, you're going to reach out to your prospects uh, using a set cadence. Maybe it's seven touches in seven days. Maybe it's 12 touches in 15 days. Maybe it's 18 touches in 30 days. You figure that out. There's lots of, you know, playbooks. And those playbooks will consist of a combination of phone, email, social, SMS, maybe some direct mail. It's all that combination. Mm. So now you're forcing your reps to make those nine or 12 minimum attempts that we said statistically you need to make. And you're forcing them to go across multiple channels. And that playbook is going to make sure you follow up within the first hour of that lead coming in. So all of a sudden you're eliminating all of the problems. And when you do this, you will find that your pipeline will literally triple, not a bullshit statement, only because you're making the right volume of outreach efforts with the right timing and the right cadence. That's it. That's it. That's all we do. And you spend no more money in marketing. You spend no more money on sales staff. You just tripled your pipeline. Nice. So, so you guys are really focused. It sounds like really the, the other piece there is that you're really focused on that prospecting step since that piece goes off to an AE afterwards. It's the prospecting. And I'm hearing a lot about uh, that reach and frequency and then obviously using those different channels to kind of get that reach up so that you can kind of get to that conversation. So here's the setup. This is what we do on the show. We go ahead and we grab a challenge that you dealt with last year. 
uh, something that was holding you back from hitting your revenue goals. And take that challenge and tell us a story about how you addressed that challenge. Now, I hesitated to say overcame that challenge because we know sometimes you might run a play and not necessarily hit the exact mark that you want. However, it doesn't mean that you don't learn something that you could grow from as you go forward. And that's what we want to share out with the rest of the world. So yeah, you nailed what would it. that be for you, Daryl? Not, not every play results in a touchdown, but sometimes as long as you're advancing the ball, then that's progress. So the challenge I had last year, I took over the CR role last year um, for context, my background, you know, I've, I've got a sales background, but predominantly I have a marketing background. So I'm that rare CRO who is more marketing than I am sales. It gives okay. me somewhat of a different point of view. The challenge we had is multiple and I'm just being straightforward. I've actually spoken about this publicly was we weren't having large enough deal sizes. No, can anybody here relate to that problem? The deal sizes weren't large enough. We weren't yeah, selling enough seats. We weren't selling long enough terms. Like we can go month to month, but you know what? I want my reps to go annual if possible. Hell, go, you know, every two years, I'll, I'll reward you, but we weren't getting that. So why? That was the problem we had. And the problem I came to the conclusion was because we were a historical inbound driven sales organization. So that means marketing, which is the group I ran, you know, we did a great job generating thousands of leads. We're working to the top of the funnel and they're coming from all sources, whether it's a pay-per-click event or a webinar or a podcast, like just like this. And they come in yep. and our reps are simply, you know, I would like to say is they're just taking orders and that's not to diminish their sales skills, but that's what they were doing. So yep. there's a high intent level by the buyer. And they simply say, I've done my research. I'm already two thirds through the funnel. I'm finally talking to you. And I just want to, I want, I want three seats. I just want three seats. Yeah. Month to month, please. And that's it. Um, and, and they would go, okay, you know, give me your credit card. Boom. You're done. Mm -hmm. So our ASP wasn't where it should be. So how right. do we get around that? Uh, we'll get around that by going to a complete opposite model, which is outbound centric. And to do that, what we did was we rolled out account based marketing as you know, and, and even though it's called account based marketing, the fact of the matter is it's account based sales and marketing because you need both sides right. to make it work right. So that was dramatic because to do this properly, you we had to organize the teams into verticals. We had to make an investment in some additional tech stack pieces. So we had to go, um, we had historically lived just in vanilla soft because if you don't have a complex sale, you don't need a CRM. You can just use vanilla soft, which is what we did, but we want to go account-based. So we brought in salesforce.com for all of our AEs to live in because the Salesforce is truly account-based. Then we bought Terminus to go and do account-based marketing, true target account-based marketing. But to make all this work, then we had to figure out for our verticals, let's, let's revisit our ICP. So uh, a two-page ICP suddenly became a 15-page ICP. Then we had to get, and, and it was like, really, that was painful, drilling down on understanding the nuances and the subtleties of our market. So for example, you know, I have an out-of-the-box integration with salesforce.com, but if someone comes to me with an, with an odd CRM, a non-standard CRM, historically, we'd say, yeah, let's try to close this deal. Whereas now I'm saying, no, I don't want that deal. Let's get, I only want people who have salesforce.com so that when we get to that part in the sales cycle, I don't have an objection because I've got something. So you, you start to understand where you truly win and the ICB gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And after right. every rep, I had a name, you know, I've heard this called uh, large named and industry accounts. I've heard it called uh, one to one, one to few, one to many. So every rep had like, we gave them five 
you know, large one-to-one, -one, uh, 40 named one to few, and then 500 uh, industry or one to many accounts. And that was all they focused on. And this was a bitch, Tony, I got to tell you, because when you're used to just taking orders and now yep. it's like, no, 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 no. Now we get another person now who's going to do the inbound stuff. You just have to go outbound. That's all you do. You have to map the account. You got to live in their life. You got to figure out who the buying committees are. This was a culture shift of epic proportions. And it, and not to mention the impact on rev ops and our processes and on product marketing. So it was dramatic. That was what I, that was my challenge. That was a son of a gun, Tony. And why weren't you there to support me, my friend? Wow. I mean, because it sounds like way too much work for me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Went from two pages to 15 pages. It sounds like the detail that you got. In there. And we all know like that right person is so important. And when we got, we got right message, right time, but that right person sounds like getting deep on that and then setting the team up to be able to serve that person very, very well is uh, the anchor of the story. And the whole selling process changes too, right? So when it's an inbound model, these reps are going to say, okay, you got to do 50, 60, 70, 80 dials a day. It's all activity-based, right? You're just following up on the leads because we got a bucket full of leads. Just do your thing. You just send your emails, send your phone calls. Boom. Now when you're ABMs, like, okay, all that activity, I don't care about as much. If you do 30 calls a day, I'll be happy, happy. But I want you to actually take time to research your accounts and to actually take time to bond with them on social and, and, and hold yourself back, restrain yourself from asking for the business instead you're going to make deposit 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 over right. 30 60 90 days before you finally ask for a withdrawal uh, we right. had to teach our reps literally how to manage time all over again so they could do this properly these are the challenges that we had to shift to hmm. nice so then you guys made all of these challenges or i'm sorry all of these shifts during 2020 <laughs> We did all of them in the year. Uh, we started in August uh, uh -huh. and uh, now we're, as of right now, it's February. Um, and if your show airs in July, sorry, kids, it's recorded in February. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's been roughly six months and we have made stunning progress, but not without a cost. You know, not every rep survived the transition. Yeah, tell and, us a little bit about that. That's one of those. That's one of those challenges that comes with the change. Tell us a little bit about that. How do you manage that? So, well, you know, that's a tough question for every leader. How do you manage that? Because you don't want people to not manage the transition. Uh, some of them don't do it just because, simply because that's not their comfort zone. They're good if you've got. Um, expression of interest to follow up on that. Hey, you downloaded some content. Hey, you clicked on our ad. You know, how can I help you out? Versus risking getting rejected. So there's an element of that. Some of them really had a hard time managing their time. They just couldn't manage time, which is interesting, right? Because we opened up by saying, what does Vanilla Soft do? And I, and I said to you, we keep your reps busy. They're doing all this follow-up across all these channels. But so they were so used to being spoon-fed that. And then now me saying, okay, for the AEs, you have to go outbound and you have to, and so that, and you have to do a lot of this yourself. And right. all of a sudden it, it, they just couldn't do it. Because some of these people, maybe there's stuff going on in their lives, there's this personal distractions, or they're not dealing with the work from home element well, or they just suffer, you know, let's call it ADD or what have you, they just can't get their head around it. This is not good. So how do we manage all that in the end? Uh, nobody intentionally got fired. 
right. everybody who was affected by this, who was showing some struggle, were given work improvement programs. In other words, okay, this is what's going on. This is your problem. These are the milestones I need to attain in these timelines. We're here for you. Tell us the resources you need. You know, do you need a counselor? We'll make that arrangement for you. Do you need, you know, a funky schedule because you have childcare? We'll make that arrangement for you. So they were all pretty savvy. And the ones who mm -hmm. truly recognize and see the writing on the wall, they left of their own accord and we wish them much success. That probably sounds cold and calculating. It's not. We actually genuinely wanted them to work, but we were also on the timeline. Let me ask you a question there, just because obviously this is very relevant. We're doing, we're, we're going through the same uh, similar transition uh, now on uh, here at CloudTask. I just, I'm curious, did you guys end up making adjustments to say a competency model in addition to that or anything like that, such that, you know, you're able to hand off to HR that new profile for who needs to, who you need to have in the organization as you guys look to scale that team or grow that team. How's that piece working? Oh, Kat, are you been listening to my conversations? Yes. <laughs> so a big part of that conversation was do this sounds so soft and tender is do we have the right culture? Do we have the right makeup, the right profile of sales rep for the organization that we're trying to assemble and put together? And, you know, mm -hmm. I talked to a boatload of other CROs and, and, and leaders and thought leaders in the space. And, you know, and to your point, yeah, we actually invested in competency, skills and tools and evaluations. The problem was before we would always rely on our reps because often you get a word of mouth referral. Hey, my buddy Susie is looking for a job. She's dynamite. And the interviewer Susie's awesome. She says the right things. You know, you think as much as you can, you do the reference checks. Yeah, Susie's a rock star. Yeah, she's going to be great at the team. Then all of a sudden you realize when you get her on board that Susie sucks at doing any kind of research and she's just lazy and she just doesn't, she takes shortcuts, doesn't know how to personalize. She avoids social media. It's, it's foreign to her. And you're like, damn it. All right. So we had to make a very hard line in sand. In fact, I had a conversation with my sales leaders just last week because we were staffing some more people. And we had a lengthy conversation because this person was a home run. They're familiar with our product. They're from one of our customers. They tech, they tick all the boxes and having that knowledge of our industries that we've worked in and our product just makes them productive out of the gate. And I'm like, that's great. That's great that we like them. That's great that they're from our space. Do they fit the profile? A thousand percent. The thing I love about this is once again, the ICP comes into play, the right person comes into play, whether it's a customer or it's a, a member of your team, you got to be able to say no when they don't fit that oh. right person profile. Oh, so that's the other part, right? So we had some of our reps who they just were wired to be transactional. So in other words, even when we moved to the ABM model, you know, they mm -hmm. would they would get an expression of interest and be like, yeah, I'll take two seats or three seats. You've got me convinced. And they're like, boom, give me your credit card. Let's go. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you talked to the rest of the buying committee? Because there could be a few more seats over here and a few more seats over there. Nope. Got the credit card. Let's go. And so you realize that even though they're having success and they're hitting their numbers, a lot of these deals could be so much bigger. And then we've got some of our reps who no matter what you do and how much training you give them, like, you know, we brought in Dan Disney, for example, Dan and I go way back and Dan was engaged to really work with our reps to say, this is how you become social media rock stars. And he's been fantastic. He's been on retainer. He's, he's killer, but some yeah. reps just won't do it. They'll nod their head and give you lip service. So as part of that profile now, it's like this, it's like, okay, what's their social media profile like? 
what's their posting activity like? I don't give a shit how good they are if they're not posting. They've had, you know, like you can't do sales now without doing that. I'm sorry, end of story. You know, yeah. are they, it's great their interviews went well and the reference calls were awesome. Are they competitive? Show me they're competitive. Are they curious? How do you know they're curious, right? Awesome. Well, this has been this has been great. I got a lot of I got a lot of good information from this. Some notes that I could definitely put into play. Um, actually, effective today. I've got some meetings later, so I'll probably be uh, <laughs> using some of your sound bites. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> um, so let's wrap it. Let's wrap it up like this. We got two questions left, and one is: So you wanted to grow ASP? Yeah. And in that six months, would you say that you got, you, you know, you got enough of that lift that you guys comfortably got to kind of where you want to go? And obviously we know there's probably more to get to. Did you hit your goal? That's a good question. So my goal, okay. So my goal was stupid. My goal was a 25% lift by end of year, which was really only about four months. And then I wanted mm. to do like a, I wanted to do a double, a 2X in 2021. All right. So did we hit it at the end of 2020? No. But here we are in February. And have we hit it? Yes. So I've got okay. 25% lift hit. So I was delayed. And the reason I was delayed was, was just because I wasn't realistic because, you know, you, you just, I, I overestimated how quickly we could roll out technology. I overestimated how quickly the reps would adopt and take advantage of that technology. I overestimated a lot of things, despite me being convinced that it was all achievable. So that mm -hmm. was the delay. Will I double it in 2021? Well, I've seen the numbers for the business plan. And if I don't, I'll be looking for a job next year, talking to you saying, Tony, who's, who, who needs a gently used CRO that did pretty good, but not awesome. <laughs> well, look, you, hey, listen, 25% lift in six months uh, with so much transformation going on under the hood. Sounds like an awesome job to me. So kudos for that. I want to ask you one last question. And that is for all the other CROs out there, what would be your one piece of advice you'd like to give them off of the experience that you uh, shared with us today? Okay, so the one piece of advice, you're all gonna nod your head and say, yep, and just ignore me, just so we're clear on that. And you're foolish if you think you've got this under control. The one piece of advice is if you're a CRO and you come from a sales background, do not assume you understand marketing or do not assume you understand success if those are the, the, the groups you've got. Because if you do that, you're just going to default back to what you know, which is sales. Part of the reason they made me CRO was because I was a marketer and, I'm an, and I used to sell and I've been a VP of sales before and I'm active in the community, but I, I brought the marketing understanding to me. And years and years ago, I used to be a coder and I did custom support and customer success. Now that was over 20 odd years ago, but I did that mm -hmm. too. So it, you, you got to practice the craft of those other disciplines. So you truly understand how to leverage them. Challenge your own assumptions of how they can contribute. Give them stretch goals. Approach them with an open ear, help you, uh, help ask them to mentor you and, and, and educate you. It put park your freaking ego. You've made it a CRO. God bless you. You did really, really well. 
But your next step now is to actually leverage the skill of the people and to actually look at the whole picture and how you can move money and people and skill sets and tactics and campaigns from group to group to group to achieve the revenue goal. And all of these people contribute to revenue, not just sales. There it is. Everybody in the company contributes to revenue, not just sales. I'll take that a little further, right? But hey, Daryl, it's been great talking to you today. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for the information and the education. And uh, we're wishing you the best of luck at Vanilla Soft 2021. 2X, right? We'll you got it, Ben. 2X. We'll be watching. <laughs> we'll be watching. <laughs> Thanks again. Ciao.